sometimes I think about like how I'm like not stupid enough to be able to ignore things but also not smart enough to really be able to do anything. Hi, my name is Ricardo Deacon. Hi, my name is Orla McNeilis. Coming live to you from my cupboard. <laughs> yes, uh, it's very strange to see you with. Uh, is that a boiler behind you or uh, some industrial it's... piping going around? <laughs> it's uh, it's the thing that is both our air conditioning and also our heating. Welcome to our first episode of 2021, but Yay! it's recorded, being recorded in the dying embers yes, of the, 2020. The death rose. Good riddance, you fucking bastard of a year. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This is a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to watch a movie the other person has picked. And then we watch it separately. Well, we have to now. <laughs> the other person you're... hasn't picked. <laughs> yeah, that the other person has picked. I don't know. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. It's the end of 2020. Oh, come on. <laughs> this week's movie was chosen by Orla. I'm oh sorry. god why oh why <laughs> it's collective from 2019 <laughs> Journalists uncover healthcare fraud in the wake of a Delhi nightclub fire in Bucharest, Romania in 2015. So Orla, why did you pick collective to collectively end 2020? Um, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> where to begin? Um, I can't I can't say I was looking forward to watching this. Um, but at the same time, as soon as it became widely available, I I had to pick it because um I saw this uh a TIFF um when you volunteer they give you like a load of free tickets that you can cash in for whatever movie you want. So this one was on in the middle of the day and I knew nothing about it and I was like, documentary about journalists, fuck it. Have I seen a Romanian film? I have no idea. So I walked in knowing nothing about it and holy Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I can't quite describe like the feeling of seeing this in a cinema with other people who are like, <gasps> like where the entire it was a full it was a packed cinema like and every single person was just like like clenched for the entire thing. Um, nobody walked out, which I kind of thought might happen around certain moments that are very graphic. Um, like this, this I don't think this came with a warning at all of how graphic certain points of this are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I've never watched something that had quite the feeling of like immediately having to make everyone I know watch it like I remember walking out and just being so shell-shocked and texting like my family and being like holy god like I will never recover from this um yeah that was in 2019 in very much the before times and little could I have known the growing relevance this fucking film would gain throughout this year and like the, the, the like the never-ending stream of incompetence and negligence that would like mar every fucking step of this pandemic and its response it's just it's so it's so crushing because there's so many there's just so many things went wrong and so many people fucked up and also didn't care and only cared about money um uh, and also like i can't remember what article i was reading um i 
possibly one in Sky of all places, because um, I was trying to learn more about the background to the actual fire and stuff. And I was reading those articles about the when the thing happened. Um, but they pointed out that it has a lot of like in the way of the um, the corruption of like. The, the political moves and all the money behind how the hospitals were run has an eerie kind of <laughs> relevance when you think of how the UK government and the Tories gave so many contracts to ill-equipped companies. 32 billion items of PPE bought in the heat of a national emergency. But now the government's spending watchdog says it can't sign off on UK contracts to private companies because of potential conflicts of interest, documentation errors and lack of transparency, including links to Mauritian offshore companies, city financiers and government advisors. Well, similarly to in Ireland that the, all the hand sanitizers that were sold to schools because they were like body system, uh, the hand sanitizers did not work, so... Yeah, it's it's like when I watched this for the first time, I remember thinking like, Romania is bananas. You know, and you think like there's so many like references to other European countries and the European standard and how, you know, this would never happen in other European countries. And, you know, we have as good as hospitals as Germany and blah, blah, blah. And it's like so much of that fell during certain responses to, to COVID. It's like it's so depressing. Um I, I'm actually I'm glad that this came out whenever it did because we could then sort of like tidily leave it in 2020 um, but also that it came out at the end of the year rather than pre-US election pre-vaccine announcement etc. I don't think I would have would have picked it if this had come out in like September or something because I feel like this film has the dual sides of both uh, uncovering a horrible health a conspiracy and also the like failing of democracy at the same time <laughs> so it's just like I don't think I could have done it like locking down the barrel of an election that you know kind of went okay I guess but we didn't know it was going to um it's funny uh, I thought a lot about the film Contagion um yesterday when I was uh, watching this um because I remember at the start of the pandemic and how everyone kept talking about Contagion have you seen Contagion? Yeah, like uh, mm. I used to have the hat, the oh director's yeah. hat. Oh my god, I forgot that was the band. Nothing um. spreads like fear, it says. <laughs> um, the start of the pandemic. Uh, apparently, uh, viruses spread more than fear. <laughs> Viral marketing. Um, yeah. <laughs> the start of the pandemic, people kept watching it because it had so many like eerie relevances to how everything started to unfold and we no knew nothing about what was going on and it was horrible there was misinformation and everything and, uh, and like first lockdown and you know when we were all young fucking uh, um, but then in the last couple of months people started kind of like reevaluating it and how contagion is like it's kind of like a, a strange salve I think for people to watch it now because contagion is like a masterclass in people doing their jobs competently and like you know in the end they like get the vaccine and, and like people characters like Kate Winslet's character and people who just like through dogged dead like professionalism and dedication to their jobs solve the problem and like watching people do that is like so it's 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 like almost relaxing because of, of, of so many things that you know didn't unfold that way in the real world um but yeah it's 
I thought a lot about that while watching this film and how even though it doesn't really have a happy ending of any description, um, it's it's got the same kind of wave of like crushing defeat. Um, but at the same time, like there are moments of this where you're just watching people doing their jobs and like going, no, this is not good enough. We're going to do something about this, actually. Fuck all of you. <laughs> I'm like, no, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And it's like, it is kind of soothing, even though they just keep picking up more, you know, uncovering more and more levels of like rot, basically. Um, the director's really interesting. Um, he has a sort of a like, he has a sort of a world weariness that can only come from someone who makes movies like this. He's done documentaries before, but nothing that was quite as um as like intense as this. He approached so he he started making the film after the the fire happened, and he approached the uh, the main kind of journalist protagonist, the editor of uh, of the of the newspaper, and uh, there's a great quote. So he asks the guy if he could like you know follow him and make this documentary, and uh, at first the journalist refused, but later gave in with the hope of ensnaring young people who shun newspapers into investigative work <laughs> it's like that is so pure um, and I think when you watch the film it makes a lot of sense even though there's there's like one statistic at, at the end after the election results that are just kind of like coldly relayed to you as they're like driving along at because information is just given to you in this film in a very like rudimentary sense often as the 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 people are learning of it which i think is a real strength of it um there's no like you know post interviews or whatever um but uh the the statistic of that um only like five percent of 18 to 24 year olds voted in the election and it's just like ah so i don't know if this movie will actually have any impact perhaps in that sense but i do love that he's he is so he's just he's pure journalist and even that like when he's on stage at, or being interviewed for tv shows he's just like this is not how this works <laughs> this is how we do it um which i find like i really love films about journalism and this might no possibly... <laughs> i know really? i know i know i know even bad ones like the paper but like this this might be one of the purest examples of it um in like a country that is just so broken and like it seems like so stupid to say but this is a very sad film not like it's a film about grief not just of like the grief of the young people who died and like the, the like just the crushing death of it but also like gr grief for your country of like of, of people just like learning the full weight of how broken their system is and like even people who like tell their their children to leave because there's nothing here for you like go back go to go to vienna we will have a proper life there's nothing that can be done here it's like it's so crushing and sad and yeah it's 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 the marrying of 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 the like <laughs> of the, the investigative journalism and the fall of democracy and the two going hand in hand as they often do um yeah it's <laughs> <coughs> there's such a lack of like pomp as well around the like the journalism and this and that like it's like the, the sports gazette and i went on their website um and it's it's just it's it very much is just like the sports gazette that has this small investigative journalism site to it um and i, I think it was in the, one of the new york times reviews of this they're like i would have loved just a little bit more information about how this like sports paper has this very very like like very dogged and professional uh 
investigative journalism it kind of reminded me of spotlight a little bit and how they have this team that like doesn't really make sense financially but sort of still exists somehow um but uh yeah it's i'm sorry uh i've made you watch this i'm also not sorry because i think this film is fucking fantastic and i was so glad whenever it made it onto that a lot of people got to see it and then it ended up on a lot of people's best of the year because in a year where all people would fucking talk about it was fucking Tenet. I am so glad that this movie exists and that people saw it. So uh, without further ado, Ricardo, uh, what did you think of Collective? Well, yesterday when uh, after I watched it with Alex, we watched Toy Story 3. And, <laughs> uh, we were watching because we've been watching like the like catching up on movies that we haven't had the time to watch, let's say, because Same, yeah. of life. And uh, I realized that she never seen any Toy Stories. <gasps> and I was like, whoa, oh, whoa. here we go. Kind None of, thing. of them. None of them. Oh, so. my God. That's so special. Oh, my God. You got to watch them with her? Yeah. Oh, did she love them? Yeah, I think so. The, she oh, liked them and stuff. Uh, we, uh, we watched Soul, which wasn't Same. that great. Oh, I like uh, Soul. I like yeah, it was all right. It's not as good as Toy Story. <laughs> and... Uh, but at the end of Toy Story 3, like every time that I watch it, I just cry. And this time it gave me like a big release in a way because it's very good I was, yeah, because uh, I was after watching this quite um, curled up in the ball emotionally, <laughs> let's say. I'm but so it doesn't sorry. have any motion. There's no moment even in the movie of release. Like the ending is a little bit of a note to the people that died or whatever, but it's not quite cathartic uh, no. there's not uh, any emotional moments and i'm not criticizing the movie for for that is more that that's just a fact of what the movie is um as a movie i also found it interesting how it, it changes uh approach halfway through the movie mm -hmm. and uh the way the it is in a way uh a dummy government but also one that is apolitical because most of the government They're is run now by technocrats <laughs> yeah which like this movie kind of presents it like it's a good thing to have like apolitical ministers but at the same time having no seen them <laughs> yeah and then it's also like the the fact that like uh, uh they're like Prior to the Mexican Revolution, there was uh, a group of guys called Los Técnicos, mm -hmm. which like... Uh, <laughs> That's uh, so Doctor Who and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, because it's Spanish and anything that is foreign to you people uh, sounds alien. Uh, but, but in this case, the minister itself is political, but the ministry is not. Mm. so like even in the uk or ireland there are like civil servants that are always in the ministry it's just they that they from, yeah they're, they just want to work in public service yeah and there's a certain level of of um, institutional memory mm. like whenever there is the change but the problem is also that you're <laughs> inheriting the same system doesn't matter if you're good or bad so it's twofold i suppose that it's like you can't really revolutionize it either way. Like it's either it is what it is and it has to like change has to come slowly and from within rather than from without. But considering how people are, I suppose that is problematic that 
you know, like eventually people are more worried about their jobs than about mm -hmm. what is the effect of their jobs. And I think the the older I get, I, re I respect people less in a way, <laughs> uh, you know, like what their uh, motivations in, are really. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, like back in the day, I'd be like, oh, politicians or uh, guards or doctors, I'd be like, oh, they, they're in a position of power because, you know, like they worked hard. They know what they're doing. And then I'm like, no. They're just, they yeah. went to that college and then they were the either the best of a bad bunch or the best connected. And it's all why kind of like medicine is fucked no matter where you go, because we live in capitalist societies where uh, the life of the patient is less important than profit. But like at the end of the, well, like the, even in fucking countries like Sweden or whatever, there's still that balance, but at least the balance is kind of like, oh, will kill less people <laughs> like the so they always look like remarkably good compared to other countries but in this case it's kind of like yeah like uh, but it's also like politically all these countries that came out of uh, the the eastern bloc and supposedly got democracy in the <laughs> 90s or whatever it's it, they're never been properly democratic there's no kind of history of it because like before World War Two, they weren't democratic. After World War Two, they weren't really democratic. And right now, there's still, there's still kind of like a tendency, even amongst the people, of like, oh yeah, I want freedom. I want to say whatever I want, but at the same time, it's like I just want somebody to tell me what to do. And uh, this is how it's always about... been. <laughs> yeah, like in coming from South America, it feels remarkably. Um, familiar a lot of the things that they discuss here yeah um and like even the bit of like oh yeah you have to leave the like leave this country to fulfill yourself kind of thing it it feels very familiar and even like the waste that the the idea that the resources are there is just being funneled through. like if like I was born in Brazil and it's like Brazil should be by default one of the richest countries in the world it has natural resources up the wazoo. Mm -hmm. It has like really large area. It has a big population. It has like everything you'd need to be like a big player, <laughs> except non-corruption or something. It's like I remember that there was a in Brazil a governor that ran all the time, saying like basically hinting that it's like yes i'm corrupt but i do things you could uh, elect a guy that is just corrupt and doesn't do anything he'd be like yeah the money disappeared but i also built this bridge and it's a good bridge so there you go you can get like somebody else in and then like corruption is so bad that there's like there was a time that even as a child of six years old i knew that the mayor sao paulo was so corrupt there'll be like cartoons in children's magazine that is the mayor of sao paulo eating a cake going oh i paid my i paid for this cake myself <laughs> or whatever like well, so like <laughs> And then, like, the first president after the dictatorship, he uh, got done for corruption. And it was, like, a Nixon situation that he got pardoned. So, like, for the sake of the position of the president. And uh, he ran again for president and came... Like, he won the... He became governor of his state or something. Like, um, 
He ran under the campaign that nobody, that he's the only politician in Brazil that was not proven guilty after being investigated. And it's like, yes, because they threw out the case because they couldn't put the president in jail. But coming back to this movie... It, Which is a great rule that everyone should have. Parts of this movie to perhaps to uh, be able to deal with the sheer bleakness of it all. I kept thinking about... Uh, who would be cast in <laughs> the American the different roles? Yes, uh, I think I kind of have it uh, perfect uh, for the. Stellan Sarsgaard. No, for the journalist, the, the leader has to be Paul Giamatti, and <laughs> and for the the female journalist, it'll be Catherine Keener. <laughs> oh my God! Actually, Catherine Keener is perfect. I don't know about Paul Giamatti though. He's too shitey. <clears throat> Yeah, but also he's kind of doughy, like this guy is, you know, like with the receding hairline and stuff. I love how, like, unglamorous it is. It's so, like... But even when they go to the to the TV show, that it has to be Paul Giamatti because he's the one that is able to pull the long sleeve shirt that is, like, you know, like... Uh, so disheveled. Yeah, like, he has the look of a divorced father. And for the minister, the guy that becomes the minister, I was thinking maybe John Oliver. My explanation of the British accent is that he has a bit of an Austrian accent since he lived in Vienna for so long. Um, it's kind of like in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, where we have like, um, what do you call them? With a British accent that they never really explain. And other people with accents, but they're talking English. Yeah, Good like... Choices. But coming back to this movie, like, I think that the, like, it reminded me uh, at times of, like, obviously because of the, of the uh, subject uh, as Irish people, like, it's kind of like calls to the Starlight disaster in, was it, Artane. 48 young disco goers died at the Stardust nightclub in Artane in the north of Dublin. Around 20 to 2 in the morning, flames were spotted coming from a closed off area. Over 750 people were in the Stardust for a Valentine's night special, mainly locals from Artane and Kulak. Along with the dead, 214 were injured, over 100 of them seriously. It's what's so crazy about this the the subject matter of this film is that the the initial like setup of the of the nightclub disaster is is only one part of it, and the more you look into that, like the nothing can. I I almost give you a warning that like they 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 show you the nightclub, which is one of the most harrowing things I have ever seen because it's it's the the movement of like the band to that's on fire to death how quickly it happens um like the the band the band that are on stage the the singer was the only guy who survived everyone else in the band died from the fire Jesus. like it's and he's he's like you know has permanent damage and stuff it's like some of them died on scene some of them died later like it's fucking it's it's just one of the most harrowing things and the more you look into the corruption around like the I think the 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 mayor was one of the first people to go of that of that city because he 
basically look the other way to like regulations around the soundproofing and stuff. And it's just it's just like layers upon layers of like corruption and negligence and like pure. It's so horrifying. The bit, the bit that like I get like I I that is never mentioned in the movies that I get the how like people die because there's no fire escape, so like just the trampling and people trying to get out. But like not once <coughs> did they mention that the fucking nightclub seems to have been built at a paper mache or something like yeah. the speed that that fucking yeah. fire a lot spreads them, like a lot of them died from not even trampling or the fire they died from poisoning because of the material that the um the the soundproofing was made of was so flammable and like the the, the toxins that came from a lot of people just died from that okay like it's, so it's it was the soundproofing that yeah. caught on fire okay so it's similar to like grenfell or whatever that is oh, the, yeah. the actual cladding that it's like one specific material that caused the the actual tragedy let's say which is and then it's like a tragedy upon a tragedy upon a tragedy and i suppose that it is like at least the people that died afterwards their deaths weren't like completely in vain because it for the lack uncovered of the better word the, uncovered the, the rot yeah of the, the system literal, but at the same time the literal rot yeah, they became like literal <sighs> martyrs, let's say. But uh, having the footage inside as well, like even though it's a completely different tragedy, it reminded me of the Paraclan, the night yeah. in fucking France. And then they realized, Jesus, this world is shitty. The amount of fucking different... The amount of touchstones that you have for it is insane. And he, like, I remember like this, there's the, the shot where the maggots in the person's fucking face. And like... Uh, and like afterwards when they, they're like did that person die yes that person died it's like I like at the time I was like yeah in the I, beginning I he never... says like my understanding <clears throat> is that he's not severely burnt as well before yeah, he rings the, have, the guy shouldn't have died it's like I, I really thought that nothing would horrify me more than that shot and like the shot of it is so horrifying but like there's just there's so many horror stories of shit that happened to people and like old folks homes and very like in hospitals and shit and like that was the one thing they talked about in the um uh that sky article that was actually really good about the guy um the journalist is now obviously working on covid stories and how the numbers that the government are reporting are bullshit basically of like how many people have died in intensive care units and it's uh, it's like well, like the, the the bit that is also the I think is the the most salient point in the movie as well, and the scariest as well is that you can say that the these journalists not only the journalists were there to uncover the story, but also that at every level there is uh, a bunch of oh, whistleblowers, um, yeah. of whistleblowers for the system. But is the, the most salient point I think is that somebody says that like about the accountants that are like. They're not whistleblowing because they're tired of the corruption. They're whistleblowing because they were tired of the shit that the manager was pulling. Yeah. The guy shouting and, at them, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the, the scariest thing. Because if you're just like a normal kind of dude or dudette that is just fucking being a prick and siphling flones or whatever like as long as you're nice to the people doing it and you pay them at the end of the month nobody's gonna risk their job for lives let's say even the doctors are like fucking the the bit that is like oh yeah uh they want to go where they can get more bribes which is a very 
Or the, I get like, the... The, the covering the patients with their faces with sheets so that they don't have to look at them. It's like... Uh, we don't deserve to exist as a species. Like, <laughs> it's so bleak. The part of, uh, like, uh, Alex and I had the discussion afterwards of, like, you know, what's happening in Poland and Hungary and in Romania. The the fact that they're like in the EU mm. and they're able to carry out stuff like this and. I was like, it's a catch fucking 22 because you either kick them out and then they do whatever the fuck they want or you keep them in and try to like, because a lot of the information that they were able to get was because the the government has to report certain figures. Hmm. So even for the fact that they had to report certain figures, you can catch them lying because they reported the wrong number. So hmm. you're able to, if you ca realize that the number is incorrect, you have a reason to prosecute the the government. But if those numbers are never being declared, let's say, you, you can go, like the government can go, oh yeah, yeah, that's the correct number that you have there. It's just a shit number, sorry. But medical care or whatever, you can't get them done for lying. But it is kind of like a poisoned uh, limb going at the European project. But at the same time, it's like, well, like it's not too far, like, Part of it as well is that I think that uh, obviously this movie is done from the uh, interior, like a uh, point of view of somebody that is Romanian about mm. Romania. And I think that the problem that this movie will have as like effective, like it might be effective within Romania, but not as effective outside of Romania as it could have been, because there's a certain racism towards Romania mm. that it is like. It's the same as Italy that will be like, oh, yeah, they're just corrupt over there and they won't look at, you know, like you, there's a lot of parallels before between what's happening there and what's happening in Ireland, let's say, during COVID. Mm. But you, you wouldn't link it in your head because you go but like, oh, yeah, but like Ireland them. is not. Yeah. But like even Romania has <laughs> a, a certain, like, a, you know, like Romanian as a language is a Latin based language. Hmm. And it's never mentioned when you go, oh, what are the Latin based languages? You go Spanish, Portuguese, mm. Italian. And like I mentioned to somebody, it's like Romanian is Latin based. And they went like, really? And it's like, look at the name of the country. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> it is. I think I didn't really think about that um, yesterday when I was watching it, because for me, it had so many alarm bells. Um, watching it the second time because like the first time i was like like you know romania is crazy i'd never go never go to romania but now i'm like oh <laughs> oh but i think you're right there is there's a barrier there because of definitely racism and that kind of an otherness as well of like we're not like them and that's really depressing and it's the same thing of like like every country does this of, of even like in canada where it's like yeah but we're not america though that's that's different it's like no you have the same problems <laughs> i suppose as well the romania in a way has uh, uh, a concentrated not... level of <laughs> yeah but also like in their history if you like see from like world war one they picked the wrong side world war two they picked the wrong side <laughs> like uh no world war one they picked the right side but incorrectly because it was like 
no allies nearby. So like, also Hungary, Hungary, fucking Bulgaria can just kick the shit out of you. Let's say like, the, well, like the French are not going to send people to Romania. Like, like come on. <laughs> uh and russia like by the time that they joined russia was already like pretty much you know marketing its own shop like they couldn't just go but like world war ii they not only was part of the axis but they like willfully participated in the holocaust uh, especially in during the invasion of the soviet union they they were in the siege of sevastopol and the siege of uh, odessa so if it was like run by Romanians and then like having it was the one country in a way that got punitive measures against it after World War Two by the Soviets, even though it was under their control, because they couldn't really do it to East Germany because they had to like pretend that it's like, oh, look, we're kind of bene- benevolent leaders because it's like right next to west germany but romania is in the middle of fuck all nowhere like in the like if you're dealing about the eastern bloc as a whole there's no you know even if you come out you can only deal with your neighbors you're like Mm. in the black sea or whatever so it's like yeah i had to deal with the soviets at their terms and if you see at the level of uh advancing advancement and the the level that their cities were built versus Hungary and Ukraine and Belarusia and Poland and East Germany to a certain, certain degree there's a lot more unfinished business let's say and then afterwards they got to, taken over much like Albania by like gangster capitalists and uh, <laughs> then <laughs> gangster capitalists well like that's what Russia mm-hmm. is nowadays but Russia at least has the the actual resources to kind of sustain itself for a while <laughs> while like the like the populace suffers but like there's enough to to actually project the idea of wealth well Romania has the same kind of basis for their economics but there's nobody there to to actually you know there's nothing there to to sustain that level of corruption you know <laughs> There's one of the reasons that Brazil is able to sustain that level of corruption is because there's a lot of shit to steal. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of it is also like as a as a film, like, like talking about film. Like I think that it was kind of interesting that, um, like, uh, I was uh, very uh, impressed by the way that it created characters. Let's say mm. within the, the the movie, so it was easier to hold on to what's going on because you have an actual uh, audience surrogate to uh, go through the movie with. And mm-hmm. I think uh, as a dictor- directorial choice, it was interesting. I think that also if you made a, like a, a remake, like you were talking about, you'd have to uh, <laughs> literally... <laughs> yeah, like, but half of it wouldn't work because you think that it's bullshit. Because, like, yeah. even when your man dies in the car crash or whatever, you're like, if you wrote that in the movie, yeah. like, you'd be like, nah, fuck off. There's one point where um, the uh, the female journalist, um, what's her name? Catherine Keener. Um, she, uh, she she just stops and she's like, no, no one will believe us. They're going to say we're crazy because this is like, this is so out there. <laughs> it's just like, well, we got to do it. So we'll push on. Like, it, it's... 
it's it does sometimes it almost feels written because like they 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 feel like characters almost because it is so crazy and like at every point like the, you know you have like stakeouts you have like like there's one point where they're taking pictures of one of the managers of one of the big hospitals and uh they're like literally there's like they're, they're just the, the shot zooms in on the, like, the guy's face and they're just like this guy this guy <laughs> look at his face and the guy looks so corrupt he looks like such a gangster he's got like a hoodie on and it's like yes this this guy manages this hospital like oh god well like the pacing of the movie is incredible like whenever the movie started I was like there's no way that they can sustain this pace uh, yeah. for now in 40 minutes in a way it leaves no time like very little time for retrospective mm. behavior and I, I I do think that I don't know if how much the film would game by it but it's one of the few films that went like i'd like a bit of talking heads in a way like uh mm. just so like most of the time they're like they're talking to each other in a way to almost for the benefit of the viewer and the benefit of the camera but mm. at the same time it's um I'd like to understand the step by step of the process that went through why they decided to do certain things the way that they did uh especially the like and also with the benefit of hindsight mm. because if you think about it that the movie came out well all these things are being filmed in 2015 2016 mm. while the movie came out 2019 so there's like a three-year gap so it would have been interesting to interview the people the main players that were heavily involved there to mm. see what their take was with the benefit of knowing also how little their work actually affected the elections and stuff like that, you know, not to make it completely overt, but I think that would have made the, the film perhaps a, a even richer, richer. And also that like, y you don't need that much more of that, like even like 20 minutes peppered throughout to keep the pacing going. Mm -hmm. But uh, just to give that little more context, it's like, one of those few films that are like an hour and 40 minutes and I got like it could have done with being two hours. Yeah. I also think that like that at the time would have been like that. Uh, even though there are certain kind of moments with the survivors of the, the club, considering that the movie is also called after the club. Mm. Uh, I think that they're shorthanded a bit that the movie. I think know, in the end yeah like especially the scene where um teddy is talking to vlad the the technocrat guy um and he's like explaining to her about how we need people to vote because of what's happening you know look around globally what's happening um and that that's kind of it there's no she doesn't speak in that scene it's really weird it's kind of like, and we see her kind of more through other people's eyes and like journalists talking to her and she doesn't like talk for herself. And, you know, even the it's all the, the, I'm assuming it's because they had less access to them, maybe like I, I do know, like Teddy obviously um, did participate and, you know, she wor worked with the director and stuff, but they, they feel more outside of the film than everything else, considering how much access and how close they are to the subjects. And so I don't know how how they could have 
made and it even more... like they would have uh, like even having Teddy there if she had described what it is to have procedures in the like if you're getting skin grafts and stuff like that mm. and how you're close to infection because you're months and months having to be in hospital for guaranteed stuff like I've mentioned that my uncle was in a car crash in the 80s or whatever mm. he had like more severe burns than than a lot of the people that died in this movie but he was lucky to have dodgy connections from my family during the, <laughs> the dictatorship and he survived but like even uh having the the best care the money could provide he was still like got loads of different infections and stuff but the like the bit that also the movie doesn't go far enough to say is that like the, the problem with those infections is that it seems to be like a bacteria that is resistant to antibiotics mm. so the bit when they're like closing down the hospitals like yeah they should have closed down all the hospitals like <laughs> like in a kind of rotation to clear the bacteria of those hospitals it's like that even the technocrat guy keeps saying like oh let's do the obvious shit and it's like you have bacteria in your hospital and <laughs> you can't kill it <laughs> you can't kill it like if you can get the fucking things and then if you just plan to do a rotation that is like you spread amongst the 300 hospitals that they have they mention over and over that they have loads mm. of hospitals if you have 300 patients in the hospital and one each patient goes to a different hospital so you empty this hospital and then you fucking you know like burn it to the ground <laughs> yeah like you fucking get like some guy Detonate like the ship <laughs> a guy that looks like Peter Coyote in E.T. goes around fucking <laughs> delousing the fucking thing <laughs> and then you get people back in and then you rinse and repeat it's like yeah so don't don't send those <laughs> the people like I read somewhere as well that like patients that did get sent to their hospitals in other European cities that were like showing up with this bacteria and other countries were like what <laughs> Oh, you're you infected with this? Oh, God. In a way, uh, even though it is important that it is the, the big picture that is the, the issue of having to resolve it and to resolve something, you can't just resolve, like, what's happening in this individual hospital. It's like, mm. it's the system that is rotten from within. Is that the movie does lose a bit of the focus on who's getting affected by it. Mm. And considering that, like, they did have some access to those people, but even, like, perhaps it is because the movie doesn't have talking heads that it's easier to get somebody to, for you to interview rather than follow around and try to, like, create mm. a narrative from it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I was saying that it's one of, the, like, few films that I would, like, you know, like, most documentaries have too many talking heads. Mm. And then this, like, you almost would want it to, to be there, like, um, but as a movie, like, um, I can't say that it's not a good movie. I, I can't <laughs> say that I particularly enjoyed watching it, but I think it's a necessary movie and a powerful movie. Um, mm. uh, it's one of those weird movies that is, like, incredibly entertaining in the sense of, like, minute by minute and, like, the tension and the thing. But you're just watching it going, like, the fuck am I seeing here? Like... Uh, what is the point? <laughs> it's almost like if it was fictional, I'd be like fucking eating gulps of popcorn and uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> was that your favorite thing? Uh, they supposed the the editing and the 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 pacing in the movie. Um, it is uh, quite fast moving. Mm. It is a well constructed movie considering that. Like the only bit that I thought that was a kind of bad in the editing, but I don't know again how to solve it is that it seemed like the the minister, like the guy that becomes minister, is in the job for only like two months before the elections. But then there's like a mention that is like for the last eight months that I've been a minister, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay, like uh, I don't know, yeah, like jumbled I, at the end. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know how fast things were moving or how slowly mm. things were moving so and you know like i don't know like that there's a sense that like some people try to do good but at the same time it's not enough people so i don't know what's your favorite thing um yeah, I mean, it is like it's it's a technically very well film made film as well. Um, like he he shot the whole thing himself. Like he he's he, he has a very visual eye as well. Considering how much of this is shot just in offices and like like bureaucratic rooms, and it's 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 very cinematic in a lot of ways. And he has a way of like capturing small moments and stuff and just like things happening, um, which is like it's a skill that you need to have to make a film like this to so that it doesn't feel stagey or Netflixy or whatever. But um I do I do think that there there is a feeling of hope in that these people exist even in, in places like Romania where you know, like they've never really had even a like a a, a semblance of real democracy in, in a lot of senses and yet the people like this are still there like that that journalist is still there still trying to like and all the people that are in the room like it's not just this one guy like the, you know the, the people protested and over they brought down their government because of what happened in the night and then voted for the same you know? government after yeah well really what happened is that they didn't vote and that their fucking parents voted that's what happened um, <laughs> but um, which is but then again if you live in a country where everything is corrupt do you trust your voting system? Like they don't even get into that level of, of, of things, you know, but that's a whole other fucking story. Yeah. But uh, also is that the other parties, there's no actual kind of, um, similarly in a way the to Ireland or whatever is mm-hmm. like, why mm-hmm. should I vote no. for the fucking Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael? <laughs> yeah. But that there are still people that, that, that fight for for stuff and even like the young guy at the end like all he can do is laugh like there's one point where he's talking to the doctor and like she says something about people bribing to get into the better or into the better operating rooms because you get better bribes there and he just laughs because he's like i'm sorry there's like nothing to do here but be exasperated because it's just the amount of times that you see him like the face of shell shock whenever he gets like a bit of inside information there like he probably suspected some kind of like foul play but never like to the level that it's been (laughs) what was your least favorite thing i don't know that the movie exists but at the same time it's like it's necessary that it exists like, I like that I watched it, but I don't like that I saw it. And like, I don't know, like, fucking... The fact that it's <laughs> far too familiar uh, is also quite annoying and disturbing. Like, obviously, like, Ireland has its level of corruption, but... In a way, but it's... 
perhaps is that like the actual frontline workers are not corrupt like the system yeah. itself are, is equally corrupt but doctors are not as corrupt kind of thing and i think that that in itself is like the last bleeding edge of the front line and once that that gets corrupted it's you know like fucking dilution board the uh, start boarding the fucking lifeboats because this sinking this ship is sinking but uh yeah what was your least favorite thing I think that uh, I wasn't, I didn't like come of age in a simpler time. And by simpler time, I mean a time that it was a lot easier to ignore all the bad things in the world, like the 90s, maybe, or even before that. I, I don't know, the 80s, you know, when we, we really could be self-serving and, and just ignore all the all the bad things. Um, ignore yeah. it, my Nicaragua. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I think about like how I'm like not stupid enough to be able to ignore things, but also not smart enough to really be able to do anything. So <laughs> it's like I'm just stuck in the middle. I just have to witness. Um, and it's the bit wrong. that I, I, I like the generation that came before us must have been like a lot of fucking decades because yeah, yeah, like I'm not joking. Like Generation X or whatever they were called. Fucking, yeah, those fuckers didn't yeah, seem to get away with everything. Yeah, a bunch of wackers because they go like they go like oh the nineties is like pre nine eleven. That's like the age of innocence. It's like. You lived through ethnic cleansing in your country, bombing the shit out of like. There's a reason why in Top Gun Two, there's a line that it says that fucking Tom Cruise is the last man to down three enemy airplanes, and I'm like, yeah, because America just goes to war with countries without an air force. Do you have an air force? Yes, I'm not going to war with you. Do you have? Uh, we'll you buy have- your oil instead. Can we drone you back to the Stone Age? Yes. Okay, you're an, our enemy now. Like, <laughs> Where can they find us, Ricardo, if they haven't jumped off multiple clips at this point? They can find us in my fucking bunker where I'm going to like <laughs> just cook rice and beans and fried eggs for the rest of my life until like my veins are clogged with bacon. Eggs. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter at The Right Game, or email the recommendation game at gmail.com. Uh, you can listen to us every second Monday on Dublin Digital Radio. Our box episodes are on iTunes and your other podcaster of choice, and also on the Dublin Digital Radio Mix Cloud. And if you want to support Irish Independent Radio, please donate to uh, DDR on Patreon. Yes, just all find all the independent things you can and and give your money to it if you can, because <laughs> there's not many left. <laughs> uh, there. Cool. I can't wait until fucking DDR gets bought over by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I think they will all set themselves on fire before they let that happen. Or fucking AT and T, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, next week's film or. or our next movie of 2021 is Ricardo's pick. Ricardo, what are you picking? Please let it be escapist nonsense. Uh, arsenic and old lace. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, no, what? <laughs> arsenic and old ladies? It's a Frank Capra movie from 1944. Oh, okay. Hook it to my veins. With uh, uh, Cary Grant. Cool. Well... So we're gonna be uh, it's gonna be the third time I dive into the Frank Capra well. 
Let's see if it hits the the levels that you liked with it happened one night rather than the downer that was Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Sorry. I'm just going to pretend because I, at this point, lies are all we have. Well, uh, cool. Um, until then, Happy New Year, Ricardo. Happy New Year. I was Orla McNeilis. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next year.